I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked down at the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstad, and joining us for the second time in a row, our conversation with Scott Tomlin, the Vice President of Basketball Communications for the Dallas Mavericks. This is part two of Isaacs and I conversation with him. If you missed part one, you need to check it out. You missed an incredible story about... Dirk in the locker room after game six, 2011, when he ran back bef- between the end of the game before the award ceremony, the, you know, the ring ceremony, all that, or the uh, trophy ceremony and all that. Scott was one of the only two people in the entire world that can say they went back with Dirk. And so that was an incredible story. He missed the Dennis with junior story, a Nerlens Noel story about hot dog gate. He missed a lot of really cool things. So go back and check out that conversation. But now here's part two of our conversation with Scott Tomlin. And today's podcast is brought to you by built bar. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com, Use the promo code lockdown. You'll get $10 off your first order. Now here's me and Isaac with Scott Tomlin. Dirk's not allowed to be an answer to this question. So we'll put <laughs> Dirk to the side for a second. When And I joked with you about this, this question. You're like, this is impossible to answer this. But over the past 16 years, we've seen all kinds of players and personalities come through that Mavericks locker room. What are like, a handful of guys? I not favorite. I guess we, we shouldn't say favorite. Who are your favorites? But what are some personalities that maybe Mavs fans are like, wouldn't know about how great of people certain people are or a certain just outside of Dirk. We know how great Dirk is, but maybe I guess your favorite personality, some cool guys to be around over the past 16 years that you could share maybe. Yeah, this is, this question's impossible. And, and, and it's been, I'm so lucky, man, because you know, Mark and Donnie, uh, you know, character matters to them, you know, being a, being a team first guy matters to them. So, which inevitably is going to help my job help me and and, and so i've been around a ton of, of of great dudes you know my very first year that that uh oh three oh four season um oh man i was i was young and and was trying to learn the ropes and on that team the rookies were josh howard and marquise daniels mm-hmm. and those dudes so if i kind of felt like a rookie they were rookies those dudes were awesome to me you know i will always always appreciate how those guys treated me um because they you know we i we weren't in the same boat there they were rookie nba players but i also was just trying to figure out i was like drinking from a fire hose too and so i really <laughs> always appreciate those guys um still keep up with them super proud josh has got a head coaching job here in the metroplex now so i'm super excited that he's going to be around Marquise's, yeah marquise is down at auburn and and uh, pursuing his phd Wow, uh, I didn't, I didn't know that. And, and, yeah, yeah. He's pursuing his PhD. He already has his master's. He's pursuing his PhD and, and working with the basketball program down at Auburn. I'll always be super appreciative uh, to those guys. I'll be, always be very, very close with those guys. And then, like, just think, oh, man. Sagana Jop was at my wedding. I, I always was a big fan of Sagana, just talking to him. And I think that goes a lot with the international guys because I think back growing up in a small town in Kentucky about – you know, did I ever think I was going to be exposed to the different sort of cultures mm. and uh, all the different personalities I have been? And so I think about that when 
you know, I need a guy from Senegal or I need a guy from Serbia or Slovenia or Latvia or Germany or, you know, or, or Guadeloupe, a small island, you know, or whatever, you know, with Roddy Bobois. It's, so it's been really, really cool. So Sagana, I always loved uh, talking with Sagana. I still keep up with him. He works in the Utah Jazz uh, organization. Um, you know, uh, I, and then I would say if there, you know, there's a couple guys that Jason Terry and Daryl Armstrong, those two guys, I'd like to say, when I think about those guys, those are guys that have never had a bad day in their life. <laughs> those guys are the same every single day, man. They are, they are happy to, to be in a basketball gym. They're happy to have basketball in their life. They, they realize it every day. Those two guys are, are amazing. And so, and the list goes on. Brian Cardinal. Brian Cardinal is one of the funniest people I've ever been around. So, right? not just he's not one of the funniest players I've worked with. He's one of the funniest people I've ever been around. I will just on a random day be be completely just I'll be on my own and think of something that Brian Cardinal said one time and it just make me laugh out loud. And so, you know, there's been there's been a ton of guys that have that have come through that have just been uh, have had you know amazing personalities that have have treated me well and so i you know those are i guess are just to name a few yeah it, you mentioned a small town kentucky and uh, of course i i relate to that and grow up in small town kentucky too but it it reminds me um of a story of a, of a couple of years ago and i asked you this before the pod if you'd be okay to share with sharing this story but you had somebody really close to you pass away a few i guess few years ago right and yeah. and a yeah. um a group of mavericks made their way to kentucky and i just want to open the floor to tell for you to tell that story of them coming to that funeral and what it meant to you for them to do that yeah and um you know so so i, I lost my mom a couple years ago and uh it was fairly sudden and so um so you know, I think sometimes out of sorrow, there are these moments of, of like grace when you look back. And even though it was an extremely difficult time for me, I can look back and that there's something that happened within that time that makes me feel good. And this is something, so I don't mind talking about it because it was, it was an amazing moment. Um, and so uh, my mom's service, there was a visitation on Friday and the funeral was on Saturday morning at 11. And, and there's, a, there's some things you should know about where I'm from. I'm from a, a small town uh, of about 9,000 people, Maysville, Kentucky. And what you need to know about Maysville is there's no easy way to get there. It's like 60 <laughs> miles off the interstate. It's, it, you know, it's, uh, it's like, you know, it's probably, you know, 60, 60 miles from Cincinnati off the interstate. And so, it's not, it's not an easy place to get to. And so, uh, that Friday night of visitation, um, Jason White, uh, long, uh, our longtime director of scouting, who's a very, very good friend of mine. And then Casey Smith, our, uh, who was our, our head athletic trainer and now is a director of player health, both came to the visitation on Friday night and sent the, the organization's condolences and having them there in the church, they hung out for a couple of hours uh, went back to my mom's house with me and hung out with me and my brother and our wives and, and just sort of w were around. It was great because just to have some of my Mavs family there. And, uh, and so they were there Friday night 
the Mavericks played a game at home in Dallas on Friday, and then I had a game at home uh, Sunday at, at like six, so Sunday evening. I uh, Saturday morning, uh, I guess you know, and I don't really know the details on on how it was all organized or anything like that. I never asked, um, but. Uh, I'm in the back of the church uh, on Saturday morning before the actual funeral with the pastor, the pastor that I grew up with that was going to do my mom's funeral. And it was me and my brother and some of our family and my, my sister-in-law, Laura comes in and, and says, Hey, I, I think some of the Mavs just arrived. And it's, I'm like, what? Oh, they played last night. There's no way. I mean, there's no, it's like 11 o'clock and there's no chance. And so I, I look out and sure enough in the pews and the, in the church, there's, you know, Donnie Nelson and Rick Carlisle and uh, Michael Finley and Dirk and a whole, you know, it was amazing. It was maybe 14 or 15 uh, uh, of my friends, of my, of my Mavs family from the organization meant the world to me. And they were all there. And, uh, and so, uh, so they were there for, for the funeral and then they stayed, you know, you know, and Isaac, you know how it is in Kentucky, man, after the funeral, everybody's, oh, yeah. everybody's, they eat fried chicken and macaroni and cheese and yep. they stay in fellowship hall and, and hang out. They stayed and, uh, and ate with, with, uh, the congregation. We ate with everybody that attended the funeral, hung out, um, uh, talked to people from my hometown and people from my hometown had questions for them. And I was, I was, it was, it was really, really a uh, special moment and uh, that they were in no hurry to leave. You know, later I found out that they all got up at like five or six or something in the morning, got on a plane, you know, flew into Cincinnati and then got a rented a van, drove the extra hour, hour and 15 minutes to Maysville um, just to be there on time. And uh, it was it was amazing. And I think that that really encapsulates uh, sort of what the Mavericks as an organization is. So, so for, for the for the listeners out there you know, that, that root for the Mavericks, man, they're like, like, okay, man, I'm, I'm head of PR, right. I get it. But they're such a group. <laughs> they're a group worth rooting for, man. I'm telling you, they're just so good. And, and the, and the kind of the family atmosphere that, that Mark and Donnie Foster there has always been amazing. And that's the reason that, you know, a lot of people don't leave. I've been there 16 years. I, I don't, I don't want to leave. I, I want to stay, you know, and uh, Casey Smith, you know, if, Casey Smith, Dion Calhoun, been there for years. I mean, these these people are, um, you know, these people are are, you know, we we've got a great thing going, and uh, and it just it's re- it's really special, man. And that's a that's a really special special moment. I would say, you know, when um, when we hired uh, Sent Marshall, she made a big point to do to have uh, a one on one meeting with with all the employees and. Uh, when she started just to sort of get to know everybody. And, and it was all on a, on like a very personal level. I want to know who you are. I don't want to know like, what your job is or whatever, or what your day to day looks like. Tell me who you are. Let me get to know you. And when I, you know, when I was, I tried to tell her how special organization was to me, that was the, that was my illustrating example. You know, it was, it was, you know, that I think tells you what kind of an organization uh, we have in, in Dallas. And so, it's just, it's always been, it's always been a very special memory for me. That, that story right there is honestly one of my favorite stories about the Mavs and just the prime example of the culture and everything that 
people like you help build in the organization. And yeah, I, that story when just hearing that stuff, you know, a couple of years ago and hearing it, you know, now, yeah, I, it's one of my, it just speaks volumes on just the, yeah, the culture and everything there at the organization. Yeah. I, I remember, I remember joking with Dirk that day in the fellowship hall as he was eating like his third plate of fried chicken. I think we're playing the, I think we're playing the Knicks. I think we're playing the Knicks on that Sunday night. I think we lost. I, I, you know, it was always such a blurry time, but I think that's right. And he was like, uh, you know, the Knicks are probably practicing right now. I'm on my third plate of fried chicken. I think we're, I think we're in trouble tomorrow. That's like fantasy betting advice that, that people need to know like before. <laughs> Dirk Nowitzki will be limited. Ate three plates of chicken yesterday. <laughs> Coming up, more from Scott Tomlin. But before we get to that, BuiltBar.com is sponsoring today's podcast. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and they are delicious. They sent a bunch of us, a bunch of them to us, and the chocolate around the outside is just, I mean, that's the part that really hits me as like, this is a candy bar. Is The chocolate on the outside is real. Uh, there's 16 amazing different flavors. They're also healthy, which is kind of odd. You're eating it, and you're like, there's no way this is healthy, but it is. There's all kinds of things. About it that are healthy. Uh, so check out Built Bar. Yeah, it's great for the health conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Uh, I really like the raspberry. The banana nut bread is uh, is really interesting. It's an interesting kind of bar. I really like that one. And then just the double chocolate. You can't go wrong with the double chocolate. It's just it's incredible all the way through. Uh, and you can eat it, and it it's like just about between 110 and 170 calories. You can use it as a meal replacement, eat it for breakfast, however you want to do it. They're great. Uh, Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, all that kind of stuff. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked on and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code locked on for $10 off a box at builtbar.com. That's B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. Builtbar.com. Promo code locked on. So Dirk, you mentioned earlier about Dirk being universally respected, which I think holds up still, even, you know, all these years after 2011. Um, How many players throughout the years do you know of that have requested Dirk's jersey? Yeah, it's a good question. You you mentioned that sort of um, early in the podcast. And and I honestly, you know, I think that the jersey swap thing is relatively new. Hmm. You know, I, I, I don't think, like, I can't say back in, you know, when, when Dirk was, you know, winning the, the league MVP and the, and the, um, and the, and, and the, you know, the finals and things like that, that, that he was getting a lot of those requests. I, you know, I could be mistaken. Uh, that'd be a great, another great question for Al Whitley through the mm-hmm. years. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like, you know, and maybe they were, maybe they were, they were mailing jerseys to, you know, to one another, through the years, but the, 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 the Jersey swap at mid court after the game, I think is still relatively new. I, so I can't say for sure that I know a, a ton, a ton of, of those stories. That last year, his, you know, his last year in the league did other like teams or PR people ask for, you know, they might have, you know, the opposing player asked for shoes or a Jersey or something uh, from his last season. Yeah. Those requests, definitely those requests, definitely definitely came in and and uh it's funny it's just one of those things that sometimes the pr department is just is just asked to do uh is you know hey can you run down and, and and check on this or can you ask their pr people to help get this or that or whatever so yeah there were a couple especially toward the especially toward the end the last few years mm-hmm. um there there is definitely a lot of that for sure 
So, uh, okay. Well, I was just Dirk was on uh, Dirk. Obviously, the topic right right there, and I just I thought about the and kind of going back to your story with Kentucky stuff, going back to like the Uncle Dirk, Brad Townsend stuff that. Honestly, it gets me emotional every time that I watch, I watch that video and Brad, uh, yeah, Brad with that video and the the behind the scenes stuff that happens with players and you know part of that that video is talking about Dirk and how you'd go to these hospital visits and see these kids and you know a lot of us would n- never even know about it. What stuff happens like that, or how often do things happen like that with players behind the scenes, whether they help out a fan or they go and visit some people and it's just under the radar and they, they request, Hey, let, let's just, let's not make this a public thing to where it's the attention's all about me. Yeah. I honestly, I think more than, more than you would think it's um, you know, there's a, there's a ton of, of a lot of our guys are active and make the wish. So there's a lot of that. Um, that goes on that's never made public. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, you know, I can tell you right now, like Dwight Powell, Dwight Powell has, since the NBA hiatus has not stopped. I mean, this guy is Skyping with children's hospitals. He's Zooming with uh, elementary classes. He's, he's doing um, motivational, uh, motivational videos for, for make a wish for kids who have had their wishes canceled. <clears throat> Those are things that, I mean, sure, when, when, when these guys make a large donation to UT Southwestern or something like that, and there's a press release, you know that it happens. But there are so many smaller things uh, that go on that these guys are so great at, and it makes me so proud to work, work with them. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's definitely, there's definitely um, a, a lengthy list of things that just go on in a room at the American Airlines Center uh, you know, after the, on the, after the game, after the guy's maybe on his way out to the garage, he stops in, says hello to a, to a sick fan or a long time, you know, season ticket holder that's turning 100 years old or, or something like that. There's a lot of that. And that's, and that's very cool. And, and, uh, and it, it, it goes, it goes without the pomp and circumstance for sure. One time I remember after a game seeing a, a fan meeting Dirk for the first time and just put his hands over his face like Macaulay Culkin style and just was mouth agape staring at Dirk. Do you have any stories or funny moments where a play, like a fan came to meet a player afterwards or meet Dirk? Oh yeah. I mean it, toward the end of toward the end of his career, we were getting we were getting just random we get a random email about a guy from Australia that's like, "Hey, I'm, I've never, I'm a huge Mavs fan. I've never been to Dallas. I'm, I'm coming to the game. I bought my ticket. Can I meet Dirk? And I'm like, wow, what a lofty ask. I mean, I, I, I can get it. Like, you know, it's, but you know, and so I would go to Dirk and I'd be like, Hey, you know, this, this is an Australian fan. He flew uh, halfway around the world to come to the game. You want to meet him after the game? Fully expecting that if Dirk was like, ah, I don't know if I'll have time or whatever, that that would be a completely reasonable answer. But Dirk's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Just, you know, bring him in the back and I'll say hi to him, you know, give him some shoes or something. Like it was those things toward the end of their, uh, end of their career. It was going on every home game, every away game, you know, hey, at the German in, in Minnesota, there was a class, there was a German speaking school in like Minneapolis. And, uh, and there's like, they were bringing like 15 uh, students to, to the game. And they were like, Hey, can we, can we talk to Derek after the game? And he was like, 
yeah, yeah, sure. That's fine. Yeah, just, you know, bring them in, the, bring them in the back and whatever. So it's, 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 uh, it's, it's amazing to see. I would like to think I would be like that, but I think at some point I would just be like, Oh man, another one. I don't know, man. Can I just go get on the bus? <laughs> so, speaking of fans, meeting the players, who are the most famous, famous fans that you've introduced to Mavericks players? Cause I, I mean, just in my past, gosh, I've been governing the team now for six years and I just remember random people post Malone this past year, just being outside the locker room. Who are some of the most famous people that you've connected with a player after the game? Yeah, I'll tell you um, right now in, in looking at it uh, back in the, back in the, it was last year, it was the end of last year, maybe in the spring uh, Patrick Mahomes came to one of our practices and just like hung out and like like these guys were were excited to have Patrick Mahomes in the gym, you know. And he's he was he brought his brother who was a big Mavs fan and stuff. I mean, so yeah, I mean it's it's been uh, it's been wild to see some of the people that have come through. Yeah, like you said, Post Malone and uh, you know my personal favorite, of course, Isaac was when Andy Dalton came back to the mm. locker room after the game. <laughs> free so, agent Andy Dalton. Free, free, oh, yeah, come on, uh, yeah, that one that one hurts. I, I, the news today, I almost canceled the podcast because <laughs> I, needed to, I needed to collect myself. Uh, Andy Andy Dalton has been a uh, a model citizen uh, and uh, and a and a really good quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. So I. Uh, there's a, there's an Andy Dalton jersey right there. <laughs> I, got, I had to get him a redhead from Cincinnati. I needed to yeah. get a red rifle jersey. It's amazing. I'm I'm gonna root for that guy no matter where he ends up. For so. sure. I actually met him at a Mavs game. It might have, may have been that same game. He was I was I was covering the game and I was just standing you know courtside when we were allowed there before the game. And all of a sudden I turned around and there's Andy Dalton just sitting in a chair, just no one around him, nothing happening, and he's just sitting there hanging out. And I got to say hi and that was yeah. really cool. Yeah, he's come to a couple games. Great guy. He came in the back in the training room to meet Dirk. I want to say he was at Dirk's 30,000-point game against the Lakers. Wow. I think, hmm. I think that's the game he was at. So, um, because I, you know what? It was because I remember telling Dirk the night he scored 30,000 points, that was the second most interesting thing that happened because the first was meeting Andy Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> for me. That was just me. Not maybe. I mean, for maybe you, was, yeah. That was for me. Maybe other fans remember things differently. I remember that night being very special because I met Andy Dalton. So. It was good for me too, Scott. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, a couple more questions for you. Um, just from, from our perspective, I guess. Do you think that there's too much media? People talk about the amount of media that's allowed in the locker room and uh, that we should limit it. Do you think that there's too much compared to maybe when you first started you know, with the Mavericks? And, and Nick and I, we've been joking about this because I'm sure like you, we've been watching The Last Dance and <laughs> we, we were making jokes because that's been like a thing over the past, I don't know, year, I guess. There's like, oh, there's so much media in these locker rooms nowadays. And we're seeing all this media in Jordan's locker rooms. And it's like, yeah. yeah, is is there too much? What does that, yeah, what does that look like? Well, you know, it's it's funny because regardless of whether you think it's too much or not, like it's, I mean, how are we, how else are we supposed to do it? I know in Europe they do mix zones, which is a little different, you know, instead of opening the locker room, the guys go through that's how they do it in all-star games. They'll, they'll do a, they'll do a zone where the media waits and the guy comes and sits and does some media and then, and then goes, goes on. So, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I can tell you that that it is in our PR meetings that it is often a source of, of discussion because it, because there is a lot, especially um, pregame is pregame uh, open locker room 
necessary. So we just do it post game or whatever. The Pro Basketball Writers Association are adamant that that it that pre game that pre game is necessary. And I get what they're saying because you know if you want if you want to if you're doing maybe like a, for lack of a better term maybe just like a small like fluff piece about the, a, a feel good story or something like that and you just need a quick quote from a guy. Uh, it's probably best not to do it after the game because then he's only answering basketball questions about the game and what if there's a loss or, you know, who knows? Whereas, whereas guys are maybe um, can be a little, have their guard down a little bit pregame. So I get what they're saying and it is a topic of conversation and it's, it's an ongoing thing. You know, it used to be 45 minutes pregame. We've cut it to 30 so I don't know if there's if there's an element of, of limiting the access, you know, uh, the, the time frame instead of access completely. But you know, th- there's always a little bit of um, discussion regarding that. So you know, I, I don't know. Like for example, you know, I know Isaac is, is Isaac brings up a perfect example. It's when he talked about how he got to know um, Harrison Barnes and, and Merlin's uh, off the side earlier in the pod, and he was talking about how he got to know them on a personal level well i don't think you can do that without yeah. open locker room you sure. know you're, you're not going to do that if you're if we're just doing press conference settings or if we're just doing mixed zone settings so i understand the, the thought of, of of how to build a relationship as a as a member of the media with one of these players and that that and that that time in the locker room is imperative so for you and you, you obviously deal with, with us all the time and request and all all this stuff how much of our work from media, like how much do you consume of that? How much of Tim Cato and McMahon and these guys, you know, Brad Townsend and how much of media written audio, whatever it is, do you actually consume? Yeah. Uh, I do my best to consume as much as I can uh, because I never know when I'm going to get, you know, the text or the call from, one of my players that didn't like the tone of something or, 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 or a coach or whatever, or, you know, didn't like the tone or didn't like the context of something. And I feel like I'm going to, you know, I'm, I have to be able to have an intelligent conversation on that or aware of what was written. Um, so I have to say it, it's um, a lot of, a lot of times after a game, I'll come home and I, on game nights, I eat dinner at like midnight, I'll come home and I'll be super late and I'll just get on my phone. And I'll just start going through, I'll just start reading stories. I'll start going, I'll go through, uh, you know, the last two hours of Twitter, all that kind of stuff that I can't do when I'm still at the arena, still kind of running around and working. So, you know, so I try to consume as much of that as I can for that reason. I mean, it really is impossible to do it all. Um, but, but, you know, um, I, you know, I follow all you guys on Twitter. I follow all our beat writers on Twitter. I follow, you know, all the radio guys. And, you know, so, so that I have some sort of idea of what the, what the narrative is. How much does the players and like coaches read, read the stuff? And is it, is it frequent that they reach out to you or text you and be like, Hey, did you see this article? Did you see this tweet? And I go, I, I joke because there was back when Salah was on the team and I love Salah. We've, I've, we've talked about this on the pod before, but I had tweeted out something during the game about Salah being one of the one of these type of players that if he was on an opposing team, you wouldn't like him. But if he's on your team, you would love him because you love that kind of like the Patrick Beverly tenacity, get under your skin stuff. And he took the tweet in a whole different way. And I remember walking to the locker room and he was uh, sharing some words with me that are uh, not 
worth repeating right now. And so we talked it out and we, you know, we dabbed up and he shook hands and he understood it after I explained it. And so I kind of felt bad about it, but it was a nice reminder of they're seeing this stuff too. And they're checking Twitter and I didn't even tag his name. So he had to like, look it up. How much, yeah. How many, how many, or how frequent do you get a text or something from somebody about a piece or a tweet or something? It's not much. I mean, it really isn't, um, you know, but, but you know, when I, when one of the, the next day at practice, if one of those guys says something to me, like, Hey, did you see that? I want to at least be able to say, yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. What well, let's have a discussion about it. But it really isn't, it really isn't much, uh, at all. Um, you know, I, but it does happen. It does. You know, I mean, I, I will admit that it does happen, but I, it's not, it's nothing with any kind of frequency. Hmm. Scott, we appreciate you jumping on. Thanks so much for, for joining us and uh, yeah, keep it up with the Mavs and uh, we'll see whenever this all ends and we can all go to a game. Scott, seriously, right. seriously though, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I, I joked with Nick. I was like, seriously, if there was a, a guy that has the coolest stories and has been around the team so much, I would love to have Scott on the podcast. And to, to our knowledge, this is your first podcast appearance, right? This is, this is my first podcast. I've got to be honest. So, so, so Isaac, so Nick, Isaac initially asked me and my thought was to say no, because I'm just, I don't really do a lot of this. Um, and then I was out for a walk and I thought to myself during this hiatus, I'm asking my players to do all these like call-ins <laughs> and zooms <laughs> and create all of this content. That's not even really there. Right. Can't create this content out of thin air. I, and now I'm got to say no. I've, I've got a one request and I'm going to say no to that after I'm asking these guys to do all this stuff. So I thought to myself, all right, I'll just, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so I will say if we've been on what about an hour, if you, if any of your listeners get to the final, get all, get to the very end of this and they weren't bored by my stories, uh, I, I've, you know, I, uh, I give them tickets to a game. <laughs> well, we're going to, we're going to split it up into two pods. So it'll be a, a two episode thing. And I, I didn't plan on it going this long, but you shared so much great stuff. Seriously. Like fans will absolutely love this. And also, I, you know, now we're going to get tweets for the rest of forever for free tickets because for free, for free tickets. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't say where they were going to be. They're going to be Dennis Smith juniors. Tickets. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Scott. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Hey, guys. hey, it's good to see you guys. Good to talk to you. And uh, hopefully we'll all, we'll all be back together soon. For sure. Peace out. Boom. Boom.